Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Okay, everybody, I have a story to share with you today that happened within the last week. It's kind of wild. One of those kind of like moments where you have in your story, in your life, it felt like, man, that could have been a parable. Have you ever had a moment like this in your, in your, like, in your day where you go like, okay, something happened and that was profound? And uh, I'm excited to share um, about it with you today. Is, is there anybody in the room that, um, that likes to haggle? Right. Anybody who's like, I love haggling, right? Like, I love like that feeling like I just got a good deal or, um, you know, or I held my guns and I got what I wanted for it. Okay, so somebody had donated this bicycle a while back to PCC, this three-wheel bicycle, and they said, hey, maybe somebody, maybe homeless ministry can use this, maybe, uh, maybe somebody can, you know, benefit from this bicycle. Well, the bike had flat tires, and they wouldn't hold air, and there was a couple things that were, I was kind of tweaking with it, and I didn't really feel right, so I'm like, well, maybe I'll just sell this thing, and, well, and I'll just pass the money to, to Street Life or somebody who works with the homeless. That was the intent. And so, okay, like anything, I put this up on Facebook Marketplace, and I get responders, and they're interested in coming to see the bike. And finally, this guy's like, okay, Miguel, he's going to come, and he's going to see the bike. And I'm like, okay, whenever this happens, like, I get my game face on, right? Like, I'm like, all right, you're a tough negotiator guy now, right? Someone's gonna, the guy, he might try to talk you down. You never know what you're in for. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm in the zone. I don't know Miguel. Miguel comes to my house, and I meet him right in front of my garage door in my driveway, and uh, I was like, I was just going to pump up the tire so you could give a test drive. He goes, oh, it's not for me. He goes, uh, it's for my elderly neighbor, and I'm like, uh-huh, <laughs> like, ah, this guy's good. Like, he could have gone like it's for the orphans, but he just went straight to elderly neighbor. Everybody would, I would have sniffed him out on orphans. But he came in with elderly neighbor. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it's for your elderly neighbor. And he goes, yeah, he just had a stroke. I'm like, oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. And this neighbor, actually, it'll help him because he, he goes and he, he collects the recycling. And I'm like, oh, this dude's good. <laughs> He's really turning the screws, right? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, sure it is, okay. Well, then I hear this car door shut. And out from behind my truck comes this little old man with a cane and his arm slumped down because he had a stroke. And he's coming around the truck and I'm like, what? And I'm like, what just happened? And so he comes around and 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 I go and I say something to the elderly man. He goes, oh, he doesn't speak English. And he goes, how much did you want for it? And I'm still there like, what just, what is, what? And he goes, how much? I'm like, hundred bucks. And he goes, reaches in his wallet and he pulls out, pulls out a hundred bucks and he hands it to me and I'm still like, what the heck? And I'm standing there with my hundred bucks and this man is walking with his neighbor back to load it in his car and I walk in the house and I get my phone. I'm just starting to delete all the correspondence, all the messages from the, from the, people were interested in the sale. And I start replaying the story in my head. I'm like, I can't keep this. And I go out to the front yard, and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to go give him his hundred bucks back, right? Like, I run out to the front, and, and they're already gone. 
Today we're in James chapter 2. I'm going to come back to this story, don't worry about it. <laughs> we are four weeks into our series on James, and James is this book that is full of, it's kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. It has uh, all of these words of truth and words of wisdom, things we can apply to our lives like now, things that we could, uh, we could take and we could look like the church, we can live the word, uh, as is one of our values here at PCC. And we're in James 2 today, uh, 1 through 13, to talk about the sin of favoritism. The big idea here is that Jesus brings us into a community that we could never deserve. So I'm going to read this passage over us. It says this in chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here is a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Please pray with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray, Father, just for the presence of your Holy Spirit to work in the soil of our hearts today, to speak to us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So in this series, we've been highlighting how cool it would be to walk with James, because James knew Jesus really well. He was his brother. And so someone that would have had real-life stories, real experiences... He would know Jesus' character as well as anyone. James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, after his ascension into heaven. Now picture this for a moment. They're in Jerusalem. This is the capital of Israel, and it's the center of Jewish tradition and faith. James is leading a group of Israelites who were steeped in Judaism before the time of Jesus' coming. This is them having a belief that good came to those who deserved it. If you look back in the text, if you look back in the Torah, it was the obedient would experience righteousness. The, the obedient would experience blessing. And those who were disobedient would experience curses or things that were unfortunate. And so they have this very transactional faith because they've, they've, that's what they grew up in. That's what they were steeped in. But this group of people that James is leading, they're actually people who either heard about Jesus or saw him and are now convinced of Jesus. But think about this. They had all of this tradition in the background, and now they're following Jesus. So James is writing to, in this first verse, if we put verse 1 back up there, who is James writing to? He's writing to believers. And who, when is he writing to them? He's writing to them when they gather. It says, believers, those that you believe in Jesus, when you gather, kind of like us, believers, gathering right now. So now imagine the community of believers who follow Jesus. Now after the resurrection, they're Israelites and they're trying to put all the pieces together. We had all this expectation of what Messiah would look like and then Jesus came and he kind of we're like, wow, how do we get our heads around that? 
Somebody might say, I was at the trial. I saw it. He said, I am the Messiah. He said, I am the Son of Man. Well, who's the Son of Man? Well, the Son of Man comes from Daniel 7. If you look over here, well, we expected him to look like something, something else. And then someone might say, well, he said, he, he said you would see me at the right hand of God. And that's from Psalm 110. And they were taking the text and they were putting it together and they were trying to understand Jesus. They knew he was worthy of following. They didn't know how all the pieces fit together. And so these, here they are in a synagogue, meeting in, the, meeting in the church as a sect of Judaism, of people that were believing in Jesus, sharing stories, sharing testimonies, trying to put the pieces together. And here it is. It's Sunday. The room is packed. People are sitting and filling the pews. People are filling the edges. Some are sitting on the floor. Some are standing in the back. And somebody stands up and he says, hey, my nephew was healed by him. I swear, I've known that kid since he was barely walking, and he was, used to run into everything. He was totally blind as a bat, and now he sees better than I do. And someone else would stand up and they would say, you know what, my husband, he didn't live with us for six months because he got a skin disease and he had to live outside of town. But Jesus healed him, and I, I have my husband back. And someone else would say, you know what, I remember I had lunch with him. We sat together and we had this lunch, and I swear, we, I never laughed so hard in my life. We were cracking up, having an amazing time. And these rabbis had cruised by, and they were looking at us and me and him, and they were like, why on earth is he having lunch with that tax collector? And then maybe another person who would say, you know, we were walking, we were visiting my, my cousin over in Galilee, and we saw this big crowd, and they were all eating outside and listening to this man speak. I swear it was the best fish and loaves I've ever had. These people grew up in a world that was transactional, a world of buying and selling where you get what you earned. But now through Jesus, there is story after story of people who didn't who couldn't pay him back. But they were having experiences where their stories of hopelessness were radically turned into stories of hope. Stories of them receiving something they could never repay. Because Jesus brings us into a community that we could never deserve. So these are the people G James is talking to, and the room is mixed, and there's wealthy people in the room, there's CEOs in the room, there's working class, there's poor Oftentimes, somebody's life would be changed by Jesus. They would hear about Jesus, and they'd be like, all right, servants, mandatory meeting, 7 p.m., we're having a Bible study. And there would be converts in their servants. And one of the things that stood out so much about the first community, the first church, is that everybody was together. All classes, all peoples, everybody together in the same space. Jesus' ministry didn't see favorites. And if you were one of those people that met him, you would have felt like his favorite, no matter who you were. He never treated anyone as rich or poor and never viewed people for what they could offer him. So now here's James, and he's looking out over a full church, and he sees the rich people in the good seats, and he sees the poor people in the back or on the floor or sitting at their master's feet. 
And he looks down at his rubber, what would Jesus do bracelet? (laughs) He looks out over the room and said, that's not like my brother. He wouldn't have done that. I think it was out of that heart that he writes this passage. Because Jesus brings us into a community we could never deserve. So look around the room for a moment. Do you ever pause and think how lucky we are to be in this room? How lucky we are to have received an encounter with Jesus? To know that my life has been transformed, that it wasn't anything I could earn, but he did something and he brought me here? If you look around this room, who are your favorite people? Who will you give the best of your time to? Who is God calling you to share your best with? Who have you not taken the time to meet yet? And how about where you live? Which one of your neighbors hasn't received the best of your time? Within our sinful nature, there's a gravity that exists that tries to bring us back to a transactional economy of judging relationships, of judging others, evaluating where what they might be able to bring to the relationship, what they might be able to give us back, whether or not those people are worth the effort. Some people seem a lot more work than other people in our eyes. But it pulls on us subtly. It draws us into looking less like Jesus and looking a lot more like the people that don't know Jesus, the people in the world. And as followers of Jesus, immersed in the world but not of the world, we are needing, reminding that Jesus brings us into a community that we could never deserve. Now James calls favoritism a sin because it requires us to judge others and it runs counter to Jesus' ministry which was all about grace and mercy. I'm going to go on in chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, You are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you become a lawbreaker. Now we're called to love our neighbor But James uses two of the most severe sins in everybody's eyes, right? Like murder and adultery, those seem like really dark sins. He says, favoritism is just as bad. You're just as guilty. Now, a friend of mine mine taught me this. Some of you guys will know the friend when I I tell the story, but I did this to my daughter one time. It wasn't nice. (laughs) I have two daughters, and one of them I remember telling, you know, when... um, you were probably a tween at the time. And I, it was my younger daughter, Clara, and I said, Clara, you're my favorite. And she went, oh. <laughs> with this beaming look on her face. And then I said, tied for first. So we're tied for first in the community of God because we're tied for first in what we received 
the most amazing gift. And I think in some ways we're also kind of tied for last in how much we earned it. If everybody's tied, I think we're both tied for first and tied for last. Because Jesus brings us into a community that we didn't deserve. But James just doesn't point out the problem. He actually gives us a way out of the trap of favoritism. Read here in verses two, uh, chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. It says, Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So in the midst of a culture where value was given to the best people, Jesus gives almost all of his attention to the worst people, or at least the ones society thought were the worst. And the people that were stuck in their system, stuck in their system of sin, of evaluating others, they're actually the same people that missed Jesus. They're the ones that said, why are you eating with those people? And they walked on by. Jesus invites his followers to look different. We're not invited, we are, uh, we are invited to not judge or evaluate people, giving grace and showing mercy to everyone, to avoid measuring others in transactional ways. The community of Christ will always be a community of people who have received everything and who have given nothing, which makes us all completely disqualified for judging and evaluating others on their worth and their value. James echoes Jesus' words from Matthew 7, when Jesus states, Do not judge, or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, there isn't a reason in the world you should judge others or evaluate people. And especially, how can I do that if I'm completely disqualified in the, from the get-go? The Apostle Paul writes this very well when he says to Timothy, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. If we could adopt that heart, right? If we could hold that well to remember that Jesus brings us into a community we could never deserve. I'd like to invite the worship team up. I think somewhere along the road, we get a little proud of who we're becoming. I think somewhere along the road, we forget that who we're becoming has a whole lot to do with someone else. Someone incredibly generous. Someone who has done a work in me and you. And so I think about this story of a transaction with a bicycle, and I consider the characters in the story. The story of an old, disabled immigrant man who had nothing to give. The story of a person who had nothing to gain from his neighbor who didn't even speak his language, who paid the cost so that his neighbor could live. And then there was me, reminded of how Jesus sees beyond our shortcomings and tells me I'm tied for first. How many gifts like this one will you catch? How many will we miss? How many will we treat as the favorite? That everyone you meet is Jesus' favorite. Glimpses of Christ in our everyday world's economy of who deserves and who doesn't deserve. 
to live in a way that is different than that and treat everybody the same. There's no room for favoritism. Jesus brings us into a community we could not deserve. And I want to close with this story by Alistair Begg. He tells this, this humorous story about wanting to meet when he gets to heaven, wanting to meet the thief on the cross. He just wants to ask him, like, dude, how did you get in here? And he says, I could picture it. I could see him and I could see him kind of, you know, coming up to the pearly gates and he comes up and there's this angel there and he's like, okay, sir, like, uh, how can I help you? And, um, you know, standing there before the big book, you know. And he says, uh, he says, you know, I'd love to let you in. What, what can you tell me? And uh, let me ask you a few questions. He said, you know, did you, were you baptized? And he says, no. He says, were you a stakeholder? <laughs> no. He says, well, did you give to the poor? He's like, no. Did you serve? No. He says, well, let me get my supervisor. <laughs> so then the supervisor angel comes and he goes, okay, sir, sorry about the hang up. We'll do, guess just a minute, we'll straighten this out. And the supervisor angel says, okay, uh, let's check this out. He goes, so are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? He's like, what's that? He goes, okay, let me simplify it. He goes, how about the doctrine of scripture? He goes, by what means, by what, what basis are you here? And the man leans in and he answers him. And he says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.